Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh no. Those oh yeah, actually should get straightened Does out. Doesn't really matter. Hey guys, we gotta play harder. <laughs> guys, we gotta get to the meetings three minutes before they start, not 30 seconds. Like, oh, that sounds like a coach. Get out of here. Players, players only. Oh, baby. I love those players only meetings, man. Ooh, they're a lot special. Gets done, right? Special, yeah. Do better. Yes, great. And they go, you know what? I never I never thought of that. I never thought about actually trying harder. I never thought about it. Coach would never say that. No, he hasn't been saying that already. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, man? Everything good? Yeah, things Chris, are good. Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid, we're here. Episode 87, Chris Sims unbuttoned. I still feel weird about like saying my name along with the podcast. I'm not comfortable with that. I feel like it's kind of narcissistic and egotistical. No, you have to brand right? it. You have to take control of it. Because yeah. if you don't, someone else will come out with a podcast named Unbuttoned. Right. Right. And then it's like, who thought of it first? Right. Not me, but somebody here in NBC. <laughs> yeah, we did. A yeah. collective we. A collective we is right. Uh, but, hey, uh, check it out. Please rate, review. I know we haven't got to ask me anything. You're taking questions from the fans. We, we really have that. to do that. We yeah, have to do that. It's on Pete. Producer Pete in the back, he's got to get on <laughs> yeah, that shit. We want okay? to do it every day. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. he's like, oh, okay, got it. I don't have enough on my plate. All right, we got deep dive film, okay? Of course, from last night's game. I mean, that was the game of the day and, of course, the shocker of the weekend, mm-hmm. the fact that the Patriots got dominated by the Baltimore Ravens and then the Seahawks' Bucks won out for the second yeah. game so there. so 50% of the vote went to Ravens-Patriots okay. of you guys. I didn't and know then, that. And then it was like, yeah, 18% for Seahawks and Bucks and the 17% was for what? Vikings-Chiefs, yeah. I think. I yep. just edged it out, right? Yep. yep. So we'll do that. We'll hit a little damn okay. We got a little give me the headline buzzard beater edition. Yeah. Yes. And as we'll do with, with every week, yeah. we're going to get to every game. We are going to get to every that's game. That's my personal goal. I, like, I have one goal every week. That's what a Monday pod should be for. We got to hit it all. Every Just for game. every team, every fan base, every person that wants to hear at least a little something about their team. And you said you're going to go like lightning round through some of them. I hope that doesn't happen. Well, I, like I just would, you know, I just would like to flirt with an hour long podcast <laughs> one time in no, my life. I don't. And do my that. man, John McDonald, is trying to go to Monday Night Football tonight. That's true. It's the Giants, it's the Cowboys. He wants to get there. They're early. He wants to get the party started. I know he does. He wants to double yep. fist beers yep. and do all of those things. Because the game may be over by the second right. quarter. And you so said you- your neck sore. Why is your neck sore? I, I, I don't know. I've been sleeping weird on it. I okay. got to do more stretches. So I've got, I think it's bad posture when I'm doing the podcast. All right. Well, I got my theories, but I okay. won't go there. No, okay. Need to go there. <laughs> All right. Let's start. Let's get it going. <laughs> Film deep dive number one Lamar Jackson Ooh. and the Ravens taking on the Patriots. Want to play a little, uh, little, yeah. little clip from Lamar here just to start it off. 
Is there something specific that you felt you didn't have the team prepared for? What's well, obvious? I mean, did you see a game tonight? Uh, I'm trying to win versus anybody I play. I don't really dwell on one player or, you know, it's just this guy I want to beat. You know, um, like I said before, that's still the GOAT. No, nothing changed that. Um, I'm, I'm happy to get the win, of course, um, especially at MMT Bank Stadium. So it's pretty cool, but I don't really care because it's to get Tom Brady. I just want to win. Man, he says all the right things. First off, that first voice was Bill Belichick. That was yeah. not Lamar Jackson, which was a nice snarky call answer. Me, call me by surprise. Yeah, did you watch the game? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we just wanted to know if you know what what happened. Please, can you can you elaborate? Uh, but Lamar Jackson continues to say all the right things, and he does. He just wants to win. He doesn't give a damn if it's Tom Brady or Ahmed Farid at quarterback. He wants yeah. to beat your ass. Other thing, like anybody out there who's not watching on YouTube or hasn't seen that video. Lamar Jackson's neck is getting bigger. I mean, it's going into Tequila Spike's range here. It's wider than it's wider than his, his head. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no wonder he can take on hits and deal it out like that. But I mean, that's that's an impressive <laughs> neck. I mean, that is certainly the greatest neck out of the quarterbacks in football of all time. I mean, maybe, oh, of, maybe all time. of all. You're really right. I would say all time. Big Ben has a big neck. I feel like. Yeah, but it's kind of mushy and just big, like Ben. <laughs> it's not like that. It's that not thing like is the real. Muscular neck. Yeah. That thing is real. It's a real neck. I mean, that is truly unbelievable. It's like that's a really running back linebacker neck and then the other thing I just want to hit on before we get into the game yep you know like Chris Collinsworth last night was talking a little bit about uh, Lamar Jackson the towel grabbing behind him right uh -huh. and I think they thought like he was trying to dry his hands off and then you could little bit tell some telltale signs most of the times when he grabbed his towel it was a pass play I don't think it was foolproof oh. uh, but now he'll be alerted to that because somebody on the Ravens will watch the game tape and that will go out. He'll grab the towel every play no matter what. But my, my biggest point was, and this is something I used to do and I know a number of quarterbacks do, is you know, instead of licking your hands all the time, which can be like just gross and whatever, yep. you wet the towel. And I think that's what he was doing. And I don't know that for sure, but it, you, you wet you, the towel. You want moisture on just your Just a hands. little moisture, especially yeah, for a cool, dry night. Sometimes yeah. the football can be really slick that way to where, yeah, instead of <sighs> or licking your hands all the time just right. to get a little moisture, you do that so you can grip it just a little bit more and spin it a little bit better and have control. That was the big thing uh, that that – I just wanted to explain that yeah, part. Yeah, that's of it. interesting. Yeah. It's almost like tipping yeah. your pitches too. If you do that every time, it's a pass. I used play. to do it and be very conscious of like grabbing it every play. Make yeah. sure I grabbed it every play, no matter what, because I didn't want anybody to get those. You were tips. not a hand licker. No, I was early, and then you're a germ guy. Well, I am a germ, a but bit. I wasn't a germ guy when I was playing. I don't know what got me into the being the the towel thing a little bit. Um, I, don't, I really don't know what it was. It Maybe could have been you thought about it. Well, it could have been John it. Wade's really swampy ass as my center, where I was like, man, that doesn't smell right, and I'm licking it, <laughs> so that's not good. Why am I eating that? Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, eating it, but my immune system was probably really strong during that period of my life until I lost my spleen. Like uh, I said, all right, let's okay. get started. Deep dive. Yeah. Our first deep dive of the day. We got Ravens versus Patriots. The Ravens get the win, 37 to 20. So we'll start with the Ravens O versus the Patriots D here. Yeah, let's do I that. Think a lot of people are curious about. What is Bill Belichick going to do right. to stop Lamar Jackson? You figure there's there's a way. Yes. There's always a way there always to is. stop the other team's best player. But maybe it's a little bit more difficult when that player is so dynamic like Lamar Jackson. Well, it is. It's more that di he's dynamic. They pose some matchup problems regardless, even if he's at quarterback uh, for the for the New England Patriots. So here's here's just two things, yep. really base angles right off the bat. You know, the Baltimore Ravens, um, 
they're one of the biggest teams in football, and especially their offensive line. I mean, I, I mean, I, I need to like actually just pull it up so I can just yeah. read to people give some the size of this offensive line. All right, it, it is huge, and it's across the board huge. So whether you start with you know Yonda at right guard, okay, six three. 305, kind of the smaller one there, okay? Bozeman, 6'5", 317. He's the other guard, okay? Skura is 6'3", 313, okay? That's the center. Now, you get into Ronnie Stanley, 6'6", mm-hmm. 315. You get into Orlando Brown. Um, he is a giant of a man. At, let me just make sure I got there. He's like 368, 345. Wow. <laughs> so that just tells you that right away. Yeah. Okay, so right off the bat, they have that aspect to go with. Then, I would say out of all the Patriots teams we've seen in the last 19 years that have been in the Super Bowl conversation, right, because it's been 19 years in a row, uh, is – this is probably the year they have the least big guys on their defense. They have kind of gone the route, as we've talked about, lots of linebackers, lots of DBs, yep. and they match up that way. Which has been really successful for them. Really for the successful. Weeks of the season. Every team's got their kryptonite in football. Every team does. It, it, it shows through every year. It's a matchup sport, matchup game. You know, one week you can dominate a team. The next week you come back and you go, well, this team wasn't even as good as the team we just dominated. But they pose a different matchup problem that sometimes can expose one of your weaknesses. And that's where the Ravens first have the advantage. The, the, the Patriots usually, you know, giant people across the board. But this year, they really only have three guys that are in the 300-pound conversation that they play on a regular basis. Lawrence Guy at 315. Um, Okay, they got um, uh, I'm missing uh, Darius Butler. Okay, number 70 or Adam Butler. Excuse me, down Darius. Adam Butler at 65300, and I'm and Danny Shelton, who is enormous at I just want to make sure I get it right. Six two three forty five. All right. They always believe in big people because they two gap. Right. They want to do two gap. So that poses problems, let alone the next time Bill Belichick is going to have to change the approach. And I think the biggest thing, and I would like to say, is I don't think he's going to be able to two-gap as much next time, if that makes sense. What do you, what, yeah, exactly. Okay, so two-gapping, right? So what they did a number of times is they two-gap because uh, basically they'll ask their defensive linemen to hold up. Just we want you to hold up the offensive linemen. Don't penetrate. Don't go anywhere. Just stay head up with them. Lock your arms out. And then we want you to read the play, basically. And if the ball goes to your right, we want you to throw the guy off to the left and make the tackle to your right. Yeah. If the ball goes the other way, we the opposite. We'd like you to throw the guy to the right and make the tackle to the left. Works it, in two ways, right? Because you, you can make the tackle yourself or it holds up the offensive linemen so they can't move to a linebacker. Either. Exactly right. It gets them stuck. So it's hard to get to the second level and do those type of things. Well, it's a little different with the, the Baltimore Ravens, as you saw. They fake the speed sweeps. They got guys in motion. They're faking the ball up the middle. And then it's Lamar on the edge. Yeah. So a guy who in two gaps is like, oh, gosh, whoa, whoa, this gap, that gap. Oh, God, I can't figure it out. And that's what they did a number of times. And on that, I'm going to go to my first jib segment. Oh. Yeah, because this is one thing that I saw in a flaw that yeah. Bill Belichick is going to have to fix this the next time around. You're asking a guy like Lawrence Guy. Let's just say he's two gapping, right? Okay, so here he is. Let's say he's on the out, he's on the outside edge, uh, or he's right head up with the offensive tackle. Okay. okay, and or maybe he's even on the edge of the guard, in between the guard and the tackle, and he's going to then okay maybe 
to Gavin. Well, let me just explain it and just stand yeah, up. So here the way. Right. Yeah, here there we go. go. So okay. he's going to stand up. So what they did a number of times is like Lawrence, Lawrence Guy, here he is, said hut, and he comes up, and Ronnie Stanley just went right out and blocked the linebacker. Like didn't even make contact with him, all right? Now Lawrence Guy's sitting here like this. Okay, great, nobody's blocking me. This is amazing. Sure. But he doesn't commit himself because that's what they tell him. Don't commit yourself because then if you miss, there's a huge hole behind you. But – now, on the flip side of that, there's Lamar Jackson. Okay, so yeah, here's Lawrence Guy. He's stuck. Nobody's blocking him. But here's Lamar Jackson on the other side of the ball. He's going like this. He gets the snap, and he goes like this, and he rides the running back in, yep. and they're attacking Lawrence Guy. So here he is. Yeah, he's in a gap, but the gap's like six yards wide, all right? And he fakes to the running back up the middle, and he's going, oh, gosh, I got to stop the guy to, the, to my right, to that gap. And then by the time he realizes, oh, the running back doesn't have the ball, it's too late because Lamar Jackson's too fast. So and you you're don't asking, need to block him. You don't even need to block him. Yeah. Yeah. And now some guys have gotten up to the second level, to your point, to stop some of the genius there as well. And that was one issue throughout the night. Um, just that alone was giving them issues to where I don't think they're going to be able to do that type of stuff going forward. I've seen this before yeah. out in California with Greg Roman. Yes. And Colin Kaepernick. Sure, you they, have. They, they did it back uh, back with him. So he he's done a really good job uh, utilizing their strengths. And I think there are some teams that want to implement, you know, you think that the quarterback's going to get hurt. You don't want to put the quarterback out. I mean, what did Lamar ran? He ran 16 times. No, he I ran 16 him, times or 61 himself. yards. Um, but they were important runs. And they were big runs, right? Whether it was they getting were. down to the one-yard line or, uh, you know, downs. setting up some good first, good first down runs that, you know, made it second and short. Right. Or it was a second down run that got a first down. It was the importance of the run and really his threat that led to, Mel to Mark Ingram having 15 rushes for 115 yards, which you don't see very much in, uh, given up by the New England defense either. Yeah, because it, the, the passing game, the numbers are not great. I, no. They don't jump off the page. 163 yards for Lamar, one touchdown through the air. Uh, I mean, the Ravens' second-leading receiver was Mark Ingram with two catches and 29 yards. Hollywood Brown, three catches for 48 yards, although you do think that Hollywood Brown is a huge weapon for the Ravens. He changes them. He changes yeah. them, yeah. I mean, you, you see what he does. He's, he's the one guy in the pass game who can flip the field for them to take the pressure off to where it says, like, okay, it doesn't have to – even if it is an 11-play, 75-yard drive or anything like that, it doesn't have to be, like, you know, three yards, four yards, three yards. It can be three yards, four yards. Then, oh, maybe we lost two. But then, oh, Hollywood's over the middle and gets a 25-yard gain, and we're back on, we're back on track yeah. that way. He brings that element, let alone scaring the defense, you know, as far as deep, deep balls over the top. But the big thing is Baltimore did some things that, to New England that usually New England does to other teams. Mm. Like, New England, if they, if they think like, oh, wow, you got like three or four corners that are really paid a lot of money. They'll get in base offense to make sure like, hey, there's your money, guys. They got to get off the field. You got two guys you paid a lot of money. They're not even on the field. Sure. Well, they did that a little bit. The, and I say they as in the Baltimore Ravens did that a little to New England because New England had to take their DBs off the field at times. They had to play two and three down linemen and the linebackers. Yeah. And now the DBs, it's only the four in, the two safeties and the two DBs, the two corners. And so they take away J.C. Jackson and some of their other guys who are so instrumental in what they do on that side of the you ball. You know what's funny is right. I, I was looking at the uh, the snap counts yes. for, for both teams. Right. And I was looking at the Patriots wide receivers. Yep. 
they were on the field basically the whole game. Yes. Edelman played every snap. Sanu played every snap. Philip Dorsett missed one snap. Right. Uh, over on the Ravens, it was the opposite. Yep. Willie Sneed played the most snaps of any Ravens wide receiver, 60% of the snaps. Wow. That was yeah, it. That was it because they're in so many two and three tight end sets. And then, you know, okay, we'll get in three wide receiver sets here and there, whatever it may yeah. be. But, yeah, it limits the greatness of the Patriots defense, which – is really going to translate to most teams in football, except for maybe the Ravens, who are going to go, we don't really care. We're not about passing the ball. Yeah. We play run first, and we make you adjust off of that. And it's part of, the, again, the matchup problems that Baltimore poses for, for New England so in general. This is a, once again, this is a Baltimore issue for the Patriots, not necessarily an issue moving forward, right? This is a unique way that unique the Baltimore issue. Ravens I don't know of anybody. The, the only thing teams are going to be able to take away from this game is go, man, we can bring the fight to New England a little bit. Like, yeah. they're not that big and physical up front to where we, you know, we got to bring it to them. It's going to take just some of their shine and luster off. Yep. And teams are going to look at it and go, you know, yeah. Their front's not that great as far as stopping the run. Why don't we run the ball more? Yeah. You know, we should do that. And that showed and a great advantage. Because you don't have 300-pound offensive linemen up and down the board. Here. Exactly. In the old – really, really, like any other year except for this, New England had more than three or four of these 300-pounders. Yeah. And they would play the bare front, right? And they would let three big guys control the two guards in the center – and then they could do things off of that. Well, they're a little different this year with the way they're built, and they pose a problem. Another problem that got exposed with them a little bit is the weak side run game. Again, because they're smaller, right, New England than years past. So the strong side is where they had the extra help out to, right? They're worried about, oh, man, the tight end's over here. Yeah. Man, we need to put the safety down here just to get an extra guy in the box to stop the run game. Well, the Baltimore were getting those formations. You saw the few little option pitches. There was even a few weak side runs. Okay. So they're in a strong formation. The fullback set strong. The tight ends on the, let's say, the left side. And then they would motion the fullback weak. And what happened basically was, you know, setting the edge, which is such a big thing in New England. Like they expect, and for all those out there, and I'm going to stand up one more time here. You're I going think it's double, worthy. You're double for this. Yeah, this like deserves it. Ravens. Okay. But they believe in setting the edge. In fact, I want you to get up this well, one. Okay? This okay. You're getting up too. Okay. If you're an offensive tackle and we're going okay. this way, right? Okay. You're going, you're going this way. I'm here. Okay. They are believe they are big and like set the edge. Like you got to funnel the run back inside, right? So if like sure. if Lamar Jackson comes outside, nope, I'm not going to let him come outside because I got all this help inside of me to make the tackle. So that's like a, I mean like truly you get your head chopped off in yep. New England if you break that rule, if you don't yeah. set the edge. Well, what they did a few times during the game was, okay, the tight end's over there, so they wanted to put kind of the strength of their defense over there. Yep. Now, okay, he comes in, he sets the edge, okay, and then – it's like a little fake up the middle or something like that. But now it's Lamar Jackson coming right at him. And Mark Ingram's over there to where he can pitch it, like an option. So, sure. okay, he's set the edge, but what do you want him to do? He's going, oh, gosh, Lamar's coming at me. Where and Lamar keeps attacking him, right. Yeah. And then he just pitches it off, and he's stuck in a spot. So those are little things that, like, you don't see New England get schematically – messed with very often right and if you watch the game last night the first drive Belichick you know he was very calm like you know you know how he writes right he's he was very calm and he was writing on this thing the first drive he's very calm and he was like this good the second drive when they went down again and then the third drive it was like 
fucking motherfucker. What the fuck is going on? Like, fuck me. Like, yeah. you can read his lips. That's what he was saying. Yeah. Because he knew, man, they're posing some problems for my defense schematically that I'm going to have to readjust as we go forward here because if I keep doing what I'm doing, we're going to be in big, big trouble. And I just found that, I mean, that's that does, like I said, just does not happen very sure. much. But they will learn from it. And if they play the second time around, it's going to be a great advantage for New England. It will, because they're going to be able to now adjust off of that. How? Well, they're going to have to figure out, maybe go to the four down fronts and go just, we play one gap at a time, something like that. Okay. Um, they might even have to do some some unconventional blitzing that they don't like to do just to like make chaos inside to where they can't get a body on a body all the right. time. But this is why the mobile quarterback is so is so unique is, and such a unique challenge and why really if you can have a, a quarterback that can do this, you would want it every time because it's the extra player, it, right? It's, it's the extra it's player, like you, right. You have an advantage almost being able to use the quarterback in in this way. You all, it's really you get the out you get the numbers advantage more you times do. than not. So you're right because instead of giving the ball to Mark Ingram, now Mark Ingram is blocking for you and you have the advantage there. Right. The other thing that it did to them more than anything and because of your point what you're talking about Lamar Jackson's running ability. You've heard me say before like running quarterbacks simplify defenses. One of the greatest advantages in New England and why they're so good is Bill usually wins the schematical the schematical chess match yeah. between the two teams. And you're he, giving the nod to Greg Roman? Well, he couldn't do anything schematically crazy in the game to go, I'm gonna really like ruin this aspect. He had to kind of play it like simple. Oh, we're playing man to man. Oh, we're playing three deep because he's too worried about making the proper run fits and Lamar to go, I can't do this crazy coverage to double this guy in this situation or I want to take away this one run and I'll run this defense because sure. if he guesses wrong, it could be Lamar you know, going 70 and high-stepping. So there's that aspect, and it's the Cam Newton effect. It's really – it's why you've seen – it's why Cam Newton has a winning record against the New England Patriots. For my recollection, he's 2-0. You know, that's why when people talk about the running quarterback and New England's had issues with that, New England's not known for, like, their great athleticism in their history for the front seven. It's they're big, they're sound, they don't mess up, right? Yeah. And then Bill does creative things in the back end to take away your top receiver or your best passing plays. Well, this is different with them. And that part of New England, which is their great advantage, which is the, the, the great mind of Bill Belichick, it kind of becomes a little bit of a not a great advantage against a team like Baltimore who just plays smash mouth. Just really impressive for the Ravens offense. And you mentioned the offensive lineman and, and Marshall Yonda. One more shout out to him. The 35-year-old yes. I mean, Cedar Rapids. I, I feel like if you grow up in Cedar Rapids, you're like 10 times more likely to be an offensive lineman in the NFL than if you grew up anywhere else in the world. Well, yeah, yeah well, yeah, I, I can see Iowa. that. And he's, yeah, he, you're right. It's Iowa. I mean, I feel like the, the, the big people in the middle of the country in the South like make up most of the NFL offensive linemen. 35. He, he missed um, yeah. some snaps week one. He's special. He's played every snap since then. He's always been special. He's a borderline Hall of Fame guard. Yeah. That's how good his career has been. Um, but really, just an impressive, not very often where you see a team kind of physically dominate New England that way and kind of also have the schematical, like, whether it was sure. a draw or an advantage, it usually never happens. Draws don't usually happen against New England. They usually win the schematics. 
but this yeah. time the schematics were very even and then it became down to the athletes and Baltimore and of course Lamar is such a great athlete he made plays and the Patriots defense still very very good without a still doubt very good but yes. probably has looked better than they they are because of their schedule I mean the, it, it's reality well this right? is the that, first team they played that's complete. right it's reality yes it's right? complete it's, it's their schedule has not been that tough oh, we knew they posed problems for them I knew, knew that all the way I mean I picked the Patriots to win 20 to 17 uh, and I said to, to Annie, who was on the jib last night yeah. when we were doing our last social media thing, right? I said I would not be shocked if the Ravens won the football game. They pose problems for New England that way. Uh, but having to face them once, if they do face off in the playoffs a second time, that will be a big advantage for New England. And the, really the next match will be if Baltimore can figure out what New England will do to adjust to yeah. be one step ahead is really going to be the big aspect of that. Did anything else jump out to you about my notes or anything like that? No, um, I think you got it all on this side. Do you few, under, side? Un, few uncharacteristic mistakes, whether it was jumping off sides by Dante Hightower okay. at a big moment yeah. or the jumping off sides on the, the field goal that led to a touchdown the very next play. New England did some things in this game that we don't see New England do either way. Um, and really the biggest thing was the defense not being able to get off the field, especially we saw the, the early drives and how they got up 17 nothing. Right. But the more important drive was, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, it's 17-13 and New England's got the ball, right? Okay, and they're driving down. The fumble happens. New England gets the ball back again. It's 24-20. You're going, oh, New England's still going to come back and find Here a way to win this game. Here we go, right. And – Baltimore goes on a 14-play, 81-yard drive, probably the biggest drive of the year, with Harbaugh going for it on fourth down. Lamar Jackson made a great corner route throw to Mark Andrews against man-to-man -man coverage against Terrence Brooks. I don't know if you remember that play exactly, but that was a huge moment in the game because 14-play, 81-yard drive for eight minutes where their defense had been tired and on the field a lot at the end of the second quarter and third quarter, that pretty much evened the game out, gave the defense the energy it needed to make another stop and then, of course, they put on a late touchdown once again. Uh, it's just not very, uh, it's not very often we see somebody do that to the New England Patriots. Time of possession for the Ravens, 37 minutes. Time of possession for the Patriots, 22 minutes. Right. So I mean, that's, that's, super that's dominant, crazy. Super dominant. You, yeah. You never Ravens. see Patriots give up touchdowns and Patriots offense settle for field goals. Yeah. And because usually that's what New England does to the other team. They make you settle for field goals and we score touchdowns. And it was kind of vice versa in this one, which is rare to see New England in that position. I want to switch to the other, other side. Yeah, it's uh, good. I, here, I so hit it all, you think? Anything I think you think he noticed? got it all. All right, good. Yeah, all right. that was very thorough. All right, okay, good. so how about, how about Patriots um, O, Ravens D? So we got Tom Brady threw the ball 46 times. Yes, uh, not what they want to do. 285 yards, one touchdown. Uh, I was looking at the deep ball, so you throw it that many times, you figure, okay, maybe he made a few uh, uh, deep completions, and he did, just two, but passes 10 or more yards downfield for Tom Brady, two of seven, 55 yards, one interception. Yeah. So they couldn't effectively throw the ball deep down the field. No. Nope. Couldn't effectively run the ball. Right. And so basically it was the short passing game is all the Patriots had. It was. I mean, again, a little bit of a disadvantage uh, where you don't see the Patriots be at the disadvantage up front very often. But their O-line's beat up. They're not the same. I mean, David Andrews, he's gone for the year. He's one of the better centers in football. You know, they're missing their left tackle, the kid Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, his yeah. first-round pick. He's not there. Shaq Mason's not having a great year. So uh, they have issues up front, and they got a guy in Marshall Newhouse who's been cut by, like, I feel like every team in football for a reason, and he's playing left tackle. So they're not going to win the battle against a team like the Baltimore Ravens, again, where – 
let's get into this and why New England eventually goes to no huddle because they just said, we can't deal with these big fucking people they have on front. That's the biggest issue. And Brady, yeah, he's not not great on the deep ball passes. More times they're not because he's getting hit as he's throwing it or he's, he's throwing yeah. it deep because he's going, oh, shit, they're collapsing on me. And that's really, first off, Brady's fearlessness in the pocket, is he a little jumpy here and there? Sure. But, like, not jumpy to, like, Eli Manning the last two or three years. No. Like, it's amazing how fearless Brady still is at 42 in the pocket. He can move, like, a millimeter. Yeah, right. And evade In a way, guys. and it's, it's a great, weirdest right. weirdest thing to watch. It's, it's like, like a gangly Bambi, but he somehow makes you miss yeah, and moves around. He steps a foot around. here, a foot there, and, like, five guys miss. I don't right. know how the, if it's just out of respect to Tom Brady. They don't want to sack him out of respect for what he's done in his career. Well, but it's just like, yeah, it's like yeah. he barely moves in the pocket. But he's got a great sense. It's yes, effective. it is. It is. It's really effective. And, of course, he Tom keeps Brady's his eyes good. downfield. Yeah, Tom Brady's amazing. Yeah. I'm just amazed at his toughness there. And then, really, as the game went on and he realized, like, oh, man, I'm going to have to throw the ball under pressure, he just said, screw it. And he, they were hitting him and everything. And I give Baltimore credit, too, for hitting him. You know, I complained about this on PFT a few weeks ago. Like, everyone, like, plays Tom like he's, like, the golden child. Like, oh, they help him up and they, like, wipe his uniform up. Yeah. And, you know, Josh Norman was getting the dirt out of his knee brace a few weeks ago. Like, stop it. New England would never do that to Tom Brady if they were playing Tom Brady or yeah. another legend quarterback. Belichick would truly get mad if he was like, you're going to help the other team's quarterback? Like, are you fucking crazy? You know what seems weird, too? But, it's like every time he throws the ball away, it seems like the refs are over-aggressive in showing that there was a receiver in the area. Well, they, you know well yeah. Well, he gets like, a, guy, there's a guy there. He gets a little okay. protected there. He's I don't good. know what took him so long on the one intentional <laughs> grounding. I wanted to be like... What do you? I mean, the, there was they not a receiver looking. within 30 yards, there's and like, there's finally no did way it. Tom just did that. Yeah, there's no way. He I do think that's. Grounded. I think that's a little sometimes kind of, too. Right? Like Belichick and Pretty wouldn't make that they mistake. They wouldn't. Yeah, they no don't way. do that. Uh, it's so. So here's a couple other things here too. Yeah, go uh, ahead. So Sorry. Yeah, James James White leading rusher just 38 yards um, for the for the Patriots. Like I mentioned before, they were three wide receivers set. They had to basically the whole game. Yep. 38 uh, year old Ben Watson played almost. Uh, he did. I think he played every snap of the game here too. Mm -hmm. And so basically the Ravens got them into this personnel that didn't yeah. come off the field and. They were they were fairly one-dimensional. They well, yeah, they were. They had to be because I think they realized early on, like, oh wow, okay, when we try to like get an eye formation and run the ball and do that kind of stuff, like they realized they're not going to win the battle. They're just not. And and I w I meant to get on that. I mean Baltimore, okay, again up front. I just want to explain to people how big they are as a football team. All right, Brandon Williams is their tackle. He's six one three thirty six. The other tackle next to him is six foot three forty. Okay, Matt Judon, their outside linebacker, mm -hmm. 6'3", 261. Chris Wormley, the other defensive lineman they play, 6'5", 300. You know, the size of the people they have is, it's just, it's big person after big person after big person. And so I think New England realized, one, they couldn't get in some of those run sets where they want to stay balanced and do that. Two, they don't have great, like, speed of receiver. Other than Philip Dorsett, no one's really a guy that you go, ooh, I'm scared of him yeah. running by me. So now Baltimore, if you're in those, like, run sets, they were, like, kind of doing New England. Like, people are everywhere. Like, and Tom's like, I don't know who's blitzing or who's coming or what the hell's going on. They gave some really untraditional looks. They do a lot of the things that New England can do to people on defense. 
So, so yeah, Brady, Brady was seeing ghosts, right? Pete is in my ear saying that. But, yeah, because he's not sure either. So, really, ultimately. You would never say that. Though. Well, you know, ultimately, that's why they got to the plan of attack you're talking about. Yeah. They went to get and said, okay, we're not going to win the phone booth battle versus this team. Let's spread them out. Let's go up-tempo. Let's see if we can tire out these 340, 330-pound guys by sure. going hurry up and doing all of that stuff and just wear them out. And really, that's what they were trying to do. And they were on their way to doing it until, you know, really midway through the third quarter, the fumble by Edelman, which never happens, was huge. And then the next drive, they do go on a long drive, but the Baltimore offense kind of saved them. So they found the right formula eventually. But, again, this is a tough matchup for the Patriots. It is. The Ravens have some things on their team that pose problems. They, we talk about the Patriots secondary. Hey, let's not forget the Ravens secondary is real. You know, when you want to go Jimmy Smith, 22. Yep. Uh, Marcus Peters, 24. Avante, uh, uh, not, not Avante Maddox. Anthony Averett, okay, 34. He's, he's an underrated, really good player. Brandon Carr, number 39. And then Marlon Humphrey, who's probably just behind Stephon Gilmore from one of the best corners in football. It just tells you how talented they are. So they can mix and match and do things with their front seven because of that great secondary they have, too. It allows them flexibility. So Peters, Marcus Peters has totally been uh, – been uh, implemented into this defense now. Yes. Eight tackles, one pass yep. defense. Uh, he was one of four Ravens defenders to play every snap. Uh, I almost feel like the Rams should have kept him. Well, <laughs> you know? I know. It, I don't it, know it, what happened there, whether it they, it was an attitude or they were scared of just yeah. maybe the money they were going to have to pay him. I would think that's ultimately what led to that. Because he played as, every snap. He Well, yeah, he is, and he's going to continue because they're going to need him. You know, they have a little bit of a problem in Baltimore where – they can't really rush the passer. Now, they can rush the passer a little against New England if it's normal tempo. Yep. But as you saw, when it got up tempo, they don't have speed guys off the edge. So they have to find ways to blitz and do things creatively sometimes, and having good secondary people allows them to so do it. So you're high on the secondary. Yes. Not necessarily inclusive of Earl Thomas. No, Earl Thomas I'm not. You know, I know I wrote the one note. Like, Earl, yeah, I mean, you know, you heard Chris Collins were say, like, man, they're attacking Earl Thomas in the pass game. Yeah, of course they are. Earl's Earl can't run anymore. Now, Earl is still smart and intuitive and can read eyes and has a good feel for the yeah. game, and he's still a good tackler. But when Earl gets in coverage situations, no, negative ghost rider. It's a, he's lost a gear. He's lost two gears. Um, I mean, we saw that when, remember, he was chasing Nick Chubb and gave up like 50 yards into the run. It was like, no, there's 50 more yards to go. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah, he's lost that aspect. And yeah, they were going to attack him, just like you saw when James White got singled on him. They were going to attack him because they, I'm sure, I used to do that for New England, make coverage tapes, right? So the team we were going to play, I had to make tapes of the DBs. And the DBs I, specifically with notes next to the plays to say, like, ooh, has trouble, you know, bursting out of a break. Ooh, has trouble flipping hips and turning it on. You know yeah, what I mean? Those yeah. kind of things. New England, of course, is New England. They deep dive into everything. And I'm sure they looked at one of those coverage tapes and said, yeah, Earl, Earl does look like he has runs. And whoever's evaluating this keeps going, you know, doesn't run well, doesn't run well, or lacks top end speed. Yeah. And then they stay attack it. They play that matchup and the scheme game, everything, everything to go with it. Uh, can we give a little more love to, to Matthew Judon? Yeah, definitely. Because you mentioned him already. Yep. Former fifth-round guy yep. out of Grand Valley State University, yeah. my, my uh, hometown. Your hometown. Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Michigan there. 
uh, had four hits on Brady last night. He's their best pass rusher. Most of any Raven. Right. Played over 80% of the snaps for the first time in his four-year career. He's, he's playing over 80% of the snaps this year. And in the uh, introductions, did you hear him say he, uh, he's, his body is built by Taco Bell? Oh, did you I, hear him say I that? did not hear him say that. Yeah, I missed so that. Big week for, uh, for fast Taco food. Bell? Because, well, fast food in general because Deshaun Watson, remember he said the Popeye's chicken sandwich helped his eye? Oh, yes, right. You got Taco yep. Bell here. And, yes. Which uh, makes me happy as a guy that I do really appreciate fast food. Yeah, well, what's your favorite fast food? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. I, eat it every day. Yeah, I, I imagine that you have given up fast food. For the most part. If I'm going fast food, I'm just going to McDonald's for their French fries yeah. and a chocolate shake. Yeah. That's about it. And That's, how often do you do that? Uh, once every four months, Yeah, something like that. I could tell you my favorite order at every fast food chain, Burger King, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. yeah. I could go through them all. Well, not great um, for you, but still. But I appreciate it. So yes. he's built by Taco Bell, but he was, uh, yeah, he's he's really, he's he's good. He's, he, he's emerging. He right? is good. He's a lot like the guy they lost, like Zadarius Smith. I mean, he's that similar type of player. Really good in the run, really good all-around football player who, yes, can be disruptive along the quarterback, but just another big body on that Ravens defense. Yeah. And, you know, two things that just stand out to me, just real quick before yep. we move on. Really. I don't know what had happened this game if like the Ravens don't fumble early on, right? I mean, they got the ball. They're about they get the ball 17 nothing, and Mark Ingram's rips it up the yeah. middle, right? So I mean, first it was the Cyrus Jones fumble special teams on the special teams, yep. which led to a four-play 20-yard drive for a touchdown. Then it was the Mark Ingram fumble, which it was, led yeah, it was almost like we called and said, hey, we can't have this game be a blowout. Yeah, this is too big of a game on our air. We don't want it to be a blowout. Yeah, I'm sure that's just what John Harbaugh Sorry. wanted. But either <laughs> way, to throw that conspiracy they up. held New England to field goals twice. The field goal, the two field goals at the end of the half after the Mark Ingram fumble, they held them to a field goal there. That was huge. And then. One of the biggest plays was James White tripping on his own guy. Oh, yeah, down I mean, at the one-yard line. He's going to walk in. I mean, it's a touchdown. But he trips on his own guys. They touch him down. They have to kick the field goal. So instead of it being 17-all at half, yeah. it's 17-13, which was a big victory for the Ravens' defense. Is that everything? I think so. Uh, oh, last thing I want to okay. say about the Ravens. Yep. Why would you even play them in a phone booth game? Why? I mean, just don't do that. The two teams they lost to did not do that. So that'll be something I think you see as you go forward against the Ravens. Like Spread them out. The Chiefs and the Browns spread them out. And, the, and really, the Browns, who ran the ball well in that game, they ran the ball in spread formations for the most part, too. I mean, didn't they try to do that? The Patriots or no? They did. Well, at first they didn't. Yeah. At first they kind of came out to go like, hey, this is what we do. We're going to be balanced and change our personnel sets. And we're going to get some eye formation and run. And yeah. Brady will be underneath the center. But then they realized like, okay, we're, we're not going to win. And they adjusted. And that's when they got into the spread out battle. You're, you're exactly right. Cool. Well, I, don't All right. know, I don't know why you why you said you we were going to try to keep it to an hour. You knew that that wasn't there was no way that was ever going to happen. It's a damn deep dive. No, because there's too much. We you, you look at it enough, and you might as well get it out there. We're going to make it. And Fuck tell you. you. What Fuck you. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. All right, Mike. Mike, Tur oh, I'm sorry. I'm too. I'm see, already. I, see, I'm I was trying to jump it. Screw oh. these games. Okay, yeah. Let's do a few headlines. Yes. So let's, let's go do through. It. Let's go. We got a couple of editions here. We'll yep. start with the buzzer beaters edition. Yep. So we had some games that came down to the last second, yes. which was great. It was a really good week of games. It was. I felt like there were some really competitive games, and mm -hmm. the other games that weren't had had results that you didn't see coming, like with the Chargers over the Packers. No. So we had a good week of uh, NFL. So let's go through we some did. of them here. Let's do it. Uh, this is the buzzer beaters edition. We'll start with the Chiefs. And uh, the Vikings, and the Chiefs win 26-23. 
And the headline I'm going with is Vikings get their butt curd. Butt curd? Yep. Why curd? Harrison Butker. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Four field goals, including the 44-yard game winner as time expired. After Matt Moore came through with a couple big plays to Kelsey for a 17-yard gain, and then Tyreek Hill for a 13-yard gain, proving that Patrick Mahomes is unnecessary. Oh, don't, oh we don't, don't need, him. need him. You don't need him. Well, I'll say this, and I know you've heard me say this. I think it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise for this team overall with him out. It's good because it's going to give them some other avenues of attack on the offensive side of the ball. Two things about the Chiefs, and we'll move on. Their defense continues to get better and pose problems. Hey, they did a good job stopping the run yesterday with Dalvin Cook. When you stop the run with the Minnesota Vikings, therefore it makes them hard to do their bootleg passes that they love to do. Neither one of those were real effective, and those are kind of staples of Minnesota's offense. So really, kudos to Steve Spagnola and Andy Reid for making adjustments on the defensive side of the ball. Andy running the ball a little bit, okay, not a lot. But the big thing is, some of the things he's done in the past game. And I, I did a little package on Sunday Night Football last night where, you know, he, he is making things simple on a guy like Matt Moore who's not all – doesn't know every detail of the offense, or if he does, yeah. it's still new to him. But making a these, lot of plays. These max protect, like keep six – keep seven guys in the block. We'll just send two or three guys out because they're really fast, and if we just give them time to work, they'll get open eventually. And you it's hate been, that because you should do that for the starter, too. Well, yeah, I do. Well, I think <laughs> it should be. They're being like, wow, I could do that. Let's for not, me. yeah, why do we have to be in four wides and like every time, every now and then, let's like, like, let's make it look like, like we're going to. Easy, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, easy. Yeah. Or, and, it, and it's like, it puts pressure on a defense to go, oh, wow, wow, they're going to block, and like Mahomes is going to have that much time to sit back there and let Tyree kill do like a post corner or a corner post or a double move and all that stuff. Um, so I got to give them credit that way for, for doing that stuff. And I looked at the 91-yard uh, uh, touchdown by Damian Williams there. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a cool play because it almost looks like it was a design cutback. It's I think like it was. left and yeah. designed to go right. And if you look at the offensive line, it's like a wall. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't get touched until – 20 yards down the field. Yeah, and who get and uh, what is it? Harrison Smith maybe gets a hand on him, yeah. somebody like that. Yep. 20 yards down the yeah. field. And yeah. the, the only other guy to touch him yeah. was Tyreek Hill right. at Who's the 10-yard line. Insane. Insane. Like, it really was. It was 20 yards down the field. Yeah. It was a wall. When when you figure you're at the your own, you know, 9-yard line. Right. You're trying to get it out of there. It might be kind of tough. It wasn't yeah. tough at all. No, it wasn't. The schematic, but you're right. The schematics of the play made it very hard because also what 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 basically happened was the with the motions and the things they did to start the play, you know, Minnesota was kind of going with the motions and trying to figure it out. And on the fly, they're having to figure out, ooh, where's my run fit? And that became the issue. And basically, Harrison Smith was responsible for a gap where, yeah, the tight end came across, so he's watching him and he's worried about him man-to-man, -man, but yet he has to stop the run. And that's just, to me, that's not good coaching. You're asking guys to do things that are just unrealistic. Hey, cover the tight end and be responsible for this gap. Oh, the tight end went all the way over there, but you still got to be responsible for that gap. Oh, yeah, okay, coach, no problem. I'll be in two places at once. No problem. <laughs> it's not possible, right. Do that. So that, that's an issue. One more real quick. Uh, the Chiefs have thrown one interception this year. That wasn't even by Matt Moore. No. That was by Mahomes. Mahomes, yeah. Uh, only yeah. one other team has one interception on the year. Can you name that team? Yeah. 
Seattle Seahawks. Oh, no, that's yeah. Good. I know. Well, I saw Russell Wilson's stats earlier today. I was like, man, he's throwing 22 oh, touchdown cheated. passes you and cheated. one interception. How you dare cheated. I look at stats? I didn't stats. know that you were doing yeah. that. Well, Russell Wilson might be the MVP of football right now, so I had a look. Big win for the Chiefs over the, uh, the Vikings. They get the win at home. Another in the buzzer beaters edition of Give Me the Headlines. It is Steelers beating the Colts 26-24. And my headline for this one is Daniel Snyder's top candidate slipping away. Mike Tomlin, his top candidate... Uh, might stay in Pittsburgh after all. They've won four of their last five, uh, and they get the win. As Adam Vinatieri cannot be the hero two weeks in a row. No, he cannot. And here's, you know, so here's, I wanted to say this too. This is two games where, you know, the Chiefs and the Steelers, if you play defense and you can kick field goals, you're going to be in the game. And the Steelers can play some defense. They were four for four in field goals. And then the biggest thing is the Minka Fitzpatrick pick six at the end of the half. Oh, yeah. Colts have got kind of the, 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 the game they had a chance not to in go hand. 17-3. to three. They could have gone up 17-3, at least 13-3, to three, you think, at that point. Yeah. You know, who knows with Vinatieri right now. But pick six by Minka Fitzpatrick, that was huge. And then P- Pascal fumbling a punt return or a punt return that gave the Pittsburgh Steelers another cheap field goal to go up 23-18. to 18. Those were big moments in the football game in general. Um, so uh, that, that really is what jumps out to me more than anything. Brian Hoyer put in a tough spot, did a re- lot of really good things. Yeah, but he this, played okay. Yeah, he played okay. But the Steelers' defense is real, and you're seeing that they can cause a lot of havoc and, you know, almost win games by themselves to a degree. Unsung heroes on that Minka Fitzpatrick uh, 96-yard interception return. Cameron Hayward getting good pressure on Hoyer. He's a beast. And uh, Ola Adaini who didn't play that many snaps, I think played five in the game, but had good pressure and then made the block down the field. To spring him? Well, I mean. Kind of. He was kind of gone was no matter what. an offensive lineman there. He yeah. probably wasn't going to catch him, but he was running. Yeah. It was cool to see, uh, uh, I think, a second-year guy out of Toledo uh, do stuff like that. And Bud Dupree, I also noted in my notes here. He's a beast all year long. It's a contract year, and he's trying to get paid. So I don't know where it is with Doug Dupree. Paid. Well, he might because he's having Two a phenomenal sacks. year. Yes, he is. Forced fumble, recovery. He's dominant. Playing 90% of the snaps for the first time in his career. So. He, yeah, he's got the ability to take over games. It's just he's usually one of those guys where you go, take it over. Come yeah. on, hurry, take it over. Where the hell have you been the last 30 snaps? And all of a sudden he has 10 snaps in a row where you go, man, it's the best defensive player on the field. Dupree, Cameron Hayward, who you mentioned, T.J. Watt are difference makers for that, yeah, for that Steelers defense. Steelers, they're not dead yet. Not Seems like dead with Mike yet. Tomlin, they're never, they're never dead. Never dead. So uh, they get the win there over the Colts. And the final one in our Buzzer Beaters headline edition is the Lions and Raiders. Yep. The Raiders get the win. Where's my notes on this one? Da, 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 da. Great, really fun game to watch. Oh, it was back and forth, yeah, lots of big plays. Uh, Matt Stafford was phenomenal once again. Matt Stafford's one of the ten best quarterbacks in football. He's probably just on the edge of the top five, really. You know, people, I don't give a damn what you say. You just you got to go watch Matt Stafford play and just tell me who's going to make some of the plays that he makes on a weekly basis. Who? Other than like Watson and Mahomes and Rodgers and Russell Wilson. I mean, he has plays a few plays every week and throws where you just go, damn, there's just not that many people on the planet that can do what he does. Uh, run game was not necessarily effective. You know, the, so that was fun. Derek Carr played really well. He had a clutch touchdown scramble there. Yeah. We scrambled to the left, throws the game-winning touchdown. But really, it goes back to the Raiders. 
the running the ball, John Gruden doing the right things on the offensive side of the ball that are helping out their team entire. They're helping out their defense, who's not that great. Uh, he's helping out Derek Carr by running the ball the way he is. They impose their physicality. That's what I like about them. And I don't like the Lions' last play. Yeah, I that's don't. what it was. Okay, so here, here was my headline. I found it. Uh, Raiders' dumb timeout was genius. So it was at the end of the game. Remember, it was like eight seconds left. Lions don't have a timeout. Uh, they get it down to the one-yard line, fourth and goal. They're scrambling. The Lions are out a wide formation. And it's like, as a Detroit Lions fan, this happens all the time. It's like you think something's good. You think they got a break and actually is not a break. Because I bet you with that wide spread out formation, you got uh, three wide receivers on the field. Uh, I bet Matt Stafford makes a play and figures out a way to, to penetrate that Raiders defense at the one yard line. As it was, they, the Raiders do call that timeout and then Detroit goes with the double tight end. And, yeah, yeah, two running backs. Two running backs. Tried to do that. It was three tight ends. You didn't like the play. No, I do not like the play. You know, and just to back to your timeout scenario, too. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and you're right. I mean, first off, I, as they happened live, I went, oh, Raiders, why would you call a timeout there? The, yep. the Lions are in disarray, and it's like, it's, like, it's like the Seahawks at the end of the Super Bowl yeah. where Bilicek has the timeout, but he doesn't call it because he looks over at the other team and goes, yeah. whoa, they got their, their heads are spinning here. They might mess things up here, right? Right. Uh, so I did say that. Now, listen, I don't know the Raiders team like the Raiders coaches do. They do have a lot of young, new parts on their team, so maybe they just didn't feel comfortable. I understand them calling a timeout. I don't understand the Lions, who have not really been able to run the ball all day long, get in a, ha a heavy power running set and basically make the best player on your team, number nine, Matthew Stafford, one-dimensional off of like a bootleg. Yeah. Like to what you're saying, I would have seen, first of all, the best players on the field – for the Lions during the day were one Matthew Stafford, two uh, Marvin Jones, three Kenny Galladay, or maybe it's got maybe it's Marvin Galladay then Jones, whatever. Neither one of them are on the field in the biggest moment, and then you're not letting Matthew Stafford do what he does best, which is kind of play backyard football and throw piss missiles all over the field. And he was doing that all day long, and instead they said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna fake it up the run, even though we haven't run the ball up the middle all day." You know, we think they'll bite it, and they were ready for it. They were they were completely ready, they were for, completely it. ready for it. And for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs is really good. Yes, he 28 is. 28 carries, 120 yards, two touchdowns, uh, only with a long of 17. So it wasn't like he broke off one huge one. And no, it's a lot of really good lot eight, of really good ten, runs, and yeah. five, and he he can do it all. Uh, he's yeah. awesome. Sixth I mean, in the NFL in rushing, and at 4.9 yards per carry. Who else would be in the conversation for offensive rookie of the year right now? I think he's clearly number one. He Kyle, is, right? Tyler Murray is there, but oh I yeah, think it's, DK Metcalf might have something oh, to say true. a little, but oh that's true. We'll get to him. But I think second. you're right with Josh Jacobs. Though. I think he's number one right now. I mean, he's top ten in the NFL in yards from scrimmage. Yeah, of anyone. Pretty so hard to argue. He's been utilized. Kind of like Alvin Kamara, like you talked about yeah. before the season yeah. began. You said, I think that Gruden's going to use him in the passing game, in the running game, like the, the Saints do Kamara, and it yeah. kind of has been that way. It's going that way. It's going that way. I don't think he's quite polished up in the pass game yet to be Kamara, but he's getting there. Mike Tirico's podcast, however, is completely polished up. It is. Yes, well, he's Mike Tirico. He's polished he's 100% like, of the he's time. He's like the godfather of all announcers, okay? <laughs> yeah. But uh, download, download, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's podcast, Week 9 Recap with Dungey. Rodney Harrison and Mike Florio. And if you watch on NBCSports.com slash NFL, you'll see Coach Dungy's dance moves, okay? The man Ooh. can boogie on down. Also, <laughs> last week, Mike sat down with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. It was a great interview. You got to check it out. And asked him whether he's worried about taking big hits. Let's hear what Lamar has to say. I'm not. 
gotta watch the game up close. I'm not really taking no hits. You, you gotta know? figure it out? I wanna say I gotta figure it out. You know, um, it's any given Sunday, you know, you can get hurt in practice sure. on a drop back. Uh, knock on wood, yep. my guy Ted, Teddy Bridgewater got hurt mm -hmm. on a drop back, you know, so you can get hurt doing anything. You, it don't matter if you're running, you could be scratching, hurt yourself. I, like, you know, I, I play ball to win. I don't worry about getting injured, stuff like that. I just play it safe. When you hear guys like us say, I don't know if he can last running this much. What do you say to us? All right. Uh, I can't say nothing. You guys, you guys got your own opinion. You know, I'm, I'm going to play ball. I'm going to do what got me here to help me succeed, um, to help my team keep winning. Uh, that's all I can do. I can't, I can't stop you guys from saying, saying nothing. Protect myself, you know. <laughs> he is like the most honest football. He gives you the answer. There's no like cliches. He's quick-witted too. I mean, he's like, what are you going to say to us? He's like, why would I say anything? Yeah, to why? It's your opinion. I'm <laughs> yeah, not going to change it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you yeah. can say what you want to say. I, I mean, hey, am I worried? I mean, yeah, because I like him and I want him to play well, but I'm it's not really worried. And he's, yeah. He's wiry muscle, like freaky muscle. We just talked about his neck, and it's like Strong bigger neck. than both of ours combined, mm -hmm. okay? This is the other thing he does, where let's do it. Let's stand up one more We're time. We're going to the stand one up One more again? time, okay, and you're right. going to be a linebacker this time. Okay, I'll okay? be a linebacker. What he's amazing at is instead of like, oh, yeah, you're ready there, and just like going, oh, bam, and getting crushed, and you're yep. like, man, he can't take those hits. He kind of does this stuff, and just as you're getting ready to hit, he like gets skinny to where, okay, maybe you tackle him, but he I'm slides. Grabbing onto a yeah, you're grabbing on, or he like slides off to the yeah. side of you and then just falls to the ground. So he doesn't really take that car crash hit. That's what he's very yeah. good at, at least as far as saving his body. It's kind of like growing up watching Barry Sanders because he did that. He did that all the time. It was like he almost never took a big hit. You're very rare. It's you're going to find back. any of those. Right, exactly right. It's like Saquon Barkley. You don't see him really a right. whole lot either. They find ways to kind of just get on the edge of a guy that's tackling him to where they don't have to absorb the full blow. Deep dive number two. Let's do it. Deep dive number two. Seahawks beat the Bucks in overtime, <coughs> 40 to uh, 34. Yep. Uh, another very elusive quarterback that doesn't take a whole lot of big hits, and yep. Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, same kind of thing though. Same yeah. kind of guy, right? Always kind of get either gets down yep. or like gets skinny or just lets you get the edge of him. Doesn't let you just like pound him in the chest. So what do you want to start with? You want to start with that uh, the Seahawks O Bucks D? Sure, let's can, start can there. Can I say off the bat that Please. I, I like both of these teams. I do too. I think they're both really interesting. And even though the Bucks are two and six, yeah, I think they've got some really good players. They do. They're and fun to watch. Players offensively and defensively. Yeah. I think in this game. let's start right there okay. because the strength of their, their – maybe their whole team position-wise is their defensive line, okay? Their defensive line is – it's phenomenal. JPP, Shaquille Barrett, you know, Vita Villa or Via Vita, whatever the hell is damn it's name interchange, It's interchangeable. Vita Villa, yes. Vita Villa. Vita Villa? Vita, damn, I can't get this guy's <laughs> name right. You will never – I can't do it. <laughs> Sue in the middle, okay? So there is a reason they're one of the best run-stopping defenses in football. This is my biggest issue with the game. Okay. Man, the Buccaneers played way too much man-to-man, -man. way too much. I mean, just played into the hands of the Seahawks. The Seahawks want you to play to man-to-man. They don't have the type of offense that can get hoping against zone. That's their issue. When teams play zone, they're not that creative to stretch zones and find holes and things like that. What they 
are good at it, and I can tell you and show you 22 touchdown examples of it from Russell Wilson and a bunch of others, when you play man-to-man, -man, he can throw perfect passes. He can throw great back shoulder throws. He can extend a play, and then you have to cover a guy man-to-man -man for 74 seconds to where that's not going to happen and he's going to come open. They have picked one of the good things they really have in their pass offense. They have all the right pick plays for man-to-man, -to -man too. So, my biggest complaint about the game is the Buccaneers put into way too much of the – and some of the old-school defensive coordinators are still doing this in football where it's like, we're going to stop the run. We're going to stop the run no matter what. Even though they might not be running good today, we're still going to stop it. Yeah. Great. That's great. How about you paid your defensive line a lot of money? How about you put the pressure on them to stop the run by themselves, right, and not put a guy like Jamel Dean, number 35, who's played like – 10 snaps the whole year on Revis Island all yeah. game. That's really the travesty of the game. What they did to Jamel Dean, their rookie corner out of Auburn, who I really like, but has been hurt, hasn't really played, makes his first start, and they put him in the toughest positions out of any corners I watched in football yesterday. And that wasn't fair to him. So stupidly playing too much man-to-man -man was the biggest issue for the Buccaneers on the day. They had the run game bottled up. I mean, Carson yeah. ran 16 for 105. One of those was a 60-yard run. Yep. Where I would like to tell you... Which was a great run. It was a great run, yeah. and it wasn't like the Buccaneers got gashed. Sue and Bow... Uh, what is it? Uh, not Bo Allen yeah. were there to make the tackle. Simultaneously. And hit each other, basically, as they were about to make the tackle on Chris Carson. I think it is a candidate for run of the year. Yeah, I really do. Because it looks like he really ran through the, both of their tackles. Did. You think they hit each other? Well, they did. On film, I kept slowing it down. You know, they had their arms out, but because they hit each other so hard, they couldn't wrap up. So there was two 320-pound guys who hit each other. He Would have been a three-yard gain. Would have been a three-yard gain. So that was my biggest issue. Hey, but then he did get break a tackle eight yards down the field with Jordan White. Well, he's and, uh, he nobody Mike runs Edwards. harder than Chris Carson. Yeah. Nobody. He's the hardest running running back. He's in football. underrated still. Definitely. We're not talking about we. You know, Probably a lot not. of the talk about Delvin Cook. A lot of the talk about Christian McCaffrey. Yes, running right. back. I think Chris Carson's right up there. Uh, he's he, having an unbelievable year. He's a lunch pail, like just wears you out as the game goes on. And the reason we don't talk about him much is because they got number three at quarterback, who's a freak show. So they did. You know, you're ripping on the Bucks defense. They did hold Russell Wilson to under four. 400 yards. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 under 400. Good job. Uh, five touchdowns, tied a career high. He uh, he had uh, – and the deep ball for him. So I talked about the deep ball for Tom Brady. They yeah. basically didn't have one. Deep ball for Russell Wilson. They threw it more than 20 yards down the field six times. He completed four of them for 131 yards and two touchdowns. He's arguably the best deep ball thrower in the sport. So you basically just like opened up the door like, hey, best deep ball throw in the sport. We're going to give you lots of chances to throw the ball deep today. Can you hit it? You've proven to us for nine years now you can. But we, for some reason, have flown across the country and don't believe it. Oh, well, we want to see it with our own eyes. It's just stupid. I don't know whether way to say it. It was it was the wrong game plan in general. Especially when you're you're you know you're missing a guy like Carlton Davis, who was their original starting corner, they put way too much pressure on their secondary. It wasn't fair to them. So I don't even blame the secondary players for the Buccaneers. I blame Todd Bowles with that defense and what he did. And again, always put the pressure on the money of your defense. And their money is they have Sue and Via Vita. Vita Villa, <laughs> who's 340 pounds, and JPP, and Shaquille Barrett, and they have these guys. That's, that's the strength of their team. So How about you, like, yeah. let them see if they can stop the run first? 
Okay, and you have two middle linebackers who are good too. What are we like worried about? You know, call their bluff at first. The one thing I know that's going to hurt you when you play the Seahawks and you give them the opportunity is Russell Wilson. That's the one thing I know for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And they basically like, I don't know, danced with the devil and then they lost. Devin White did have a good game, probably the best game of his. Well, he's NFL a freak show. You're right. So he had yeah. 12 combined tackles, yeah. most of anyone in the game. He had two forced fumbles, two quarterback hits, played all but one snap. Um, he's coming on. He had a little bit of an MCL injury, but uh, they have so many playmakers, and you're right. It has to, you know, yeah, the Seahawks are good. They're good at home, even though they haven't quite been as good at home this year. So it's going to be tough to stop them no matter what. But they got so many playmakers on the defensive side. It's tough to see them giving up 40 points to anybody. Definitely. They got a chance. You know, it's just too simple. I, I, I didn't count it, okay? But just roughly as I'm watching the film, Let's, I mean, how many plays? I just want to make sure. Tampa Bay, uh, Seattle ran 68 plays. I'm going to say on 63 plays in the game, it was man-to-man. -man, every play. So there's Russell Wilson and, 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 and uh, Schottenheimer. Mm -hmm. You know, there he's calling the plays going, man, okay, it's gonna, probably going to be another man-to-man -man play. Let me call one of the ones I like. And Russell's walking to the line of scrimmage, never having to think about one thing, never having to drop back and think about one thing, just going, what's my best matchup? Yeah. Oh, they got Jamel Dean in the slot, which he shouldn't be playing there, against, like, Tyler Lockett, who's in the slot of three receivers, and he can go any which way on the football field. Oh, yeah, no problem. Cover him, kid. Yeah, no problem. It's just unfair what they did to ask him of that. So Tyler Lockett, huge, huge day for him. Led the NFL in receptions this week at yep. 13, 152 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you do think the Seahawks have gotten better at pass protection. Without a doubt. I mean, the, they, that was their, their number one weakness. And it, it almost had to be Russell Wilson get outside the pocket because right. you can't do it from inside the pocket. Yes. You're, it, last year it started to go in the right direction. This year it's getting to like, wow, okay, this is pretty damn good, this, this group here. Like, they're legitimately, if, they're, if, you're, if you're not blitzing them or outnumbering them, they're, they're doing a good job of picking it up or just handling the sheer force of four really good guys like the Bucks have to send at you uh, rushing yeah. the passer. Can I give you a victory lap? Sure. Can, I, can you do one of those? Sure. Because you, you're, you're very critical, and you, you self-scout thyself. I do. All the time. Yep. You point out when you're, when you're wrong. I pride myself in it. So I want to point out when you're right. Right. Uh, you take a victory lap on uh, DK Metcalf. Oh, yes. Because he was a second-round pick for the Late Seahawks. Late second-round pick. And you said in the draft, you go, he is the number one wide receiver in the draft. Yes. And he has looked like it. He had nine targets, six catches, 123 yards, had a 53-yard one. Um, played all but four offensive snaps, the most he has played all season long. Yeah. He is emerging as a star. Yeah. Now, listen, I don't know. Maybe there was issues of people outside of football with DK Metcalf. Maybe that's why he fell a little bit. But more times than not, I heard, like, oh, his route tree wasn't extensive at Old Miss. Um, his production wasn't that good at Old Miss. Well, let's turn on the fucking film and figure it out why. Oh, they only coached three routes at Old Miss. So he's doing what he's coached. Oh, his production wasn't good? Oh, oh, yeah, his offense sucked and so did his quarterback. Oh, that's why he didn't catch the ball? And then, let alone, I would truly, and if I took you back to my notes on DK Metcalf, yeah. I literally have notes where it goes, it goes like, are they trying not to give him and A.J. Brown the ball? Like, it really was like, hey, you guys are too good. We're going to go over here too and easy. challenge the team, yeah. okay? I mean, it really was that. It was full Tropic Thunder throughout the year from Ole Miss last year. And you know, it's, just, it's over scouting. Oh, that's right. The biggest, strongest guy in the draft is going to be good on a field where being big and strong and fast is really important. Huh. Mm, I'm surprised by that.
surprised. And if people just scouted like you and it was abs and thighs, yes, he would have been a first rounder for well, sure. Well, yeah, legs and ass, legs washboard abs. I mean, can't go wrong he with that two combo. more snaps than Tyler Lockett. Washboard abs yeah. like John McDonald. He doesn't playing. even use a washing machine. He just like he doesn't just, need to. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need to. Could sell it. That's what he does. Saves electricity. Right. Uh, so that is the uh, Seahawks. O Bucks D. Anything else there? I think. We get it I think we we hit it. Um, really, for the most part. Yeah, that was it. I think we hit it all. How about we go to Buxo, Seattle D, real quick? Yep. Um, I mean, they still gave up quite a quite a few points. Did yeah. The, uh, the Seahawks D. Uh, Tampa won the time of possession battle, 35 minutes to 28. Uh, Jameis w uh, Winston for the third time this year through no interceptions. So nope. that was good. Did no, lose, he played did, good. Did lose a fumble though. Yep. Um, offensively, they're pretty good. Yeah. They were pretty good, the Bucs. Did a lot of good things. Um, ran the ball just enough to, you know, keep Seattle patient. This is why I thought this game could be high scoring. You know, on, my, on our podcast with Florio on Thursday, I told uh, one of my things I said it was bet the over. Uh, this was a scary matchup for the Seahawks. The Seahawks do not, are not good in the secondary. And to add to that, they're not rushing the passer very well. And, you know, within that, Jameis Winston's aggressive. We know Mike Evans is really uh, mm -hmm. talented. We know Godwin's talented. And we know Byron Leftwich and the Bruce Arians offense is aggressive too. So that's not a good formula for a defense that can't cover that well and is not rushing the passer all that well right now either. Seattle's got uh, some big money guys. Yeah. You, know, you got Ziggy Ansah. You got Clowney. Uh-huh. You're not totally impressed. No, they're not. They're not pulling their load right now. First off, Anza and Clowney did not start. Now I don't know what that was. They didn't come in until like a few plays into the game, and I don't get that. Clowney did end up playing 82% of the snaps, his highest yeah, percentage this I, year. Yeah, I don't so get what it was early start. on why he wasn't in there. And Clowney, I'll say this: for the year, has really been one of their better players and disruptive. And the stats don't always tell it with Clowney. This was not a great game. Uh, the Bucks have a big O line. So if you you know they can slow down a, a big overpowering D line, but yeah, those guys got to show up. It's on the D line in Seattle right now. The secondary is not going to get better. They're, there's they are they are what they are. But Anza Clowney, Jerron Reed, first round pick L.J. Collier, they, they got to start showing up. It's time for them to start taking over to help out that secondary. And added onto that, just like we talked about with the Bucks, just to hit this real quick, they're another team. The Hawks, they, they got to change it up a little in the, the coverage. It's man-to-man -man or three deep or man-to-man -man yeah. or three deep. So Jameis Winston can walk to the line of scrimmage almost the whole game and go, oh, I know the defense. Cool. Okay, cool. I mean, maybe they'll blitz one guy and play man. Maybe they'll blitz one guy and play three deep. But it's basically the same coverage every play. You know, in the second half, they finally started playing some Tampa too. And it did. It got, it got Tampa where they were like, whoa. What is this? You're playing zone and dropping two safeties back? They didn't know what to do for a few drives. But uh, I do think they need to have more coaching creativity because their defense is not special this year. It's not. It's gonna, they're they're going to have to win games with Russell Wilson and their offense. You said playing quarterback versus the Hawks is easy. It's easy because, like I just said, you break the huddle and you just go, okay, it's one of these three things. It's Tampa 2, it's cover 3, which looks like man-to-man -man except got, like the corners just bail out. Or it's actually man-to-man. -man. And, you know, that's, that's great. They don't have great corners. You know, their corners are long. And they're pretty good straightaway speed. But playing corners so much more about being long and straightaway speed, you know, you got to be able to break down, stop, start, 
you know, burst in and out of transition. Oh, gosh, uh, the guy's running deep. Oh, wait, he put the brakes on to run the comeback. How quickly can you put the brakes on, put your foot in the ground, and break on the ball? They don't have those type of corners, and that's an issue for them. And it's going to be an issue for them all year long. That's why they're trying to help their secondary with guys like trading for Quandre Diggs. They know yeah. they need it in the safety. They need it all across the board to help them out. That's why Russell Wilson is going to win the MVP. Well, he's going to have to if they're going <laughs> to make the playoffs. You're exactly right. You're, I mean, you're right. If they make the playoffs, you're right. It's going to be because they've outshoot out the majority of the teams, not because it's the Legion of Boom and they won games like you know 17 to 14 like they used to in the old days. Did we hit everything? I think we I think did. We got it. Yeah. Right there. Okay, that was good. Cool. Boom. Got that. Get rid of the papers here. I throw them on the floor. I do pick them up. Although John helps out sometimes, I think too. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's go to. The fastest growing song, the hit single in the world. This is worldwide. Let's hear it. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. Illegal I'm Okay. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Oh, I love that. Okay. Illegal gambling. It needs to be longer. You needed to make that song longer, right? Maybe we'll just play it for a minute. I said that on the PFT. It did not. Like, he was like, illegal gambling, huh? And I like didn't even understand that I had said that. Like I was like, oh, what's wrong with that? It sounded perfect. It, yeah. yeah. Right. You, look, you listen back to it, and it still sounds perfect, right? Yeah, it's, right. That's fine. I know what you mean. Yes. Um, so your first damn okay yeah. is going to a player you've, oh, you've liked for, for uh, yeah. many years. Right. And it is Deshaun Watson. Who it's tough for a player you already are very high on to get a damn okay because damn okay means like you're even more impressed than you normally are. Yeah. But you're even more impressed than you normally are with Deshaun Watson. Well, he's just so special. I mean, it just, you know, his ability to make big throws, extend plays. I mean, you've heard me say it's not like the most imaginative passing offense in Houston. It's really played off of the strengths of Watson. Yep. Like, oh, hey, he'll, you know, let's. Let's design this guy to go 40 yards downfield. Deshaun will hit the bullseye and throw it in there. Don't worry, no problem. You know. Oh, and if and if the two guys we did send out on a route aren't open, Deshaun will he'll dance around or run until one of them do get open. I mean, there's there's so much pressure on him. So he's efficient doing it more times than not. You saw some of the plays he made in the game. And then I always give Billy O'Brien credit for staying patient with the run game too. That's the other thing he does. Even though it's not like a real complex team, what they do offensively. Yeah. They do put pressure on you because they'll beat you up up front send you deep in the passing game and then of course you have to worry about all the other things Watson does too and even though it's not like the greatest way to do it it is a way of oh we have to defend the whole field because of what they do in their little formula well Carl's Hyde had 160 yards oh, having a great year two of those uh he had 106 yards on two of those runs yeah and one of those runs he fumbled into the end zone yeah so it was kind of well a that's weird, the problem with the Jaguars a little day. bit though you know, they, they do too much stunting and crazy stuff up front at times. Yeah. And when you do that, you know, I don't care who you are. You could be Calais Campbell. If you're like Calais Campbell and, you know, you're like, okay, you know, you're, you're lining up between the guard and the tackle, but we want you to slant and get between the guard and the center. Yeah. And then, oh, just stop in the middle of the gap, even though there might be a 320-pound man on your back while pushing you. Like, it's just unrealistic and stupid. 
Like, New England would never ask their players to do that against a team that can run the ball or wants to impose sure. its physicality. And therefore, you end up on skates because you're going, oh, wait, coach told me to get, you know, five feet to the right at the snap of the ball. Right. So, set HUD, I get to the five feet snap in the right, and someone's already pushing you that way if they call the right run play. You're going to end up ten feet to the right. I don't care who you are. First game since uh, J.J. Watt tore his pack. You kind of wondered who would step up. And yeah. I think one of the players that stepped up was their uh, linebacker, number 57. Brennan Scarlett out of Cal and Stanford played 46 snaps. Yeah. Most he's played this year. Had two sacks and a forced fumble. They, so. they, they got some good little linebackers. And the one thing I always enjoy watching the Houston Texans play is they will try to knock your head off. They play with a physicality that is it shows up on film and it's very fun to watch. I mean, they, tackling is not acceptable. It's yeah. like we want to crush the guy, and that's the way football is supposed to be played. The opposite of damn okay is it's over, and you have reserved your it's over this week for Gardner Minshew. Well, yeah, it's over as far as like, okay, we're going to that's Nick it. Foles. It's, we'll never it's done. talk of him again. No, I don't mean it like that. He had a great run. He's done a lot of good things. I mean, what he had four turnovers in the last five drives of the game, right? Two interceptions, uh, two, lost two. two fumbles, sacked three times. Yes, and – Again, it's been a little overblown and overhyped to begin with. I know he's done solid, don't get me wrong, and he's made some cool highlight plays, and he's got a great mustache. Good hair, too. Right, the, the great hair. Actually, the hair is underrated. Like right. People talk about the mustache so much, they don't talk about the hair. Yeah, right. Really good hair. Yeah, it is. It's great hair. Great. And he wears great bandanas to go along yeah. with it. But that doesn't mean that he's like a starting quarterback right off the bat. I think he's shown that he is capable of being a starting quarterback in the future. He's a great pawn for the Jaguars to have, maybe as trade bait next year, the year after. Maybe he takes over for Nick Foles after yeah. next year. The Jaguars can't get out of Nick Foles. They're stuck. They're not going to, like, take a $30 million dead money cap hit in 2020 and cut him. They can't do it. So Nick Foles is going to be the quarterback when he comes back this year, and he will be the quarterback next year. Yeah. And he's better than Gardner Minshew right now. I'm not saying he will be ultimately – but, yeah, right now he is. You know, you, you've heard me say, I mean, Nick Foles is a big guy. He's aggressive pushing the ball down the field. And his size is truly a great attribute because he just – he's fearless with people around him. Like, pressure doesn't matter to him, and he can make throws with people all around him that a lot of quarterbacks in football can't make. And as we've seen in the NFL this year, it's not a bad idea to yeah. have a backup quarterback – who can come no, in and play. exactly right. You, you, know, kinda, you might be in the same boat last year. That. Same boat yeah. last year, right. Yeah, kind of need that. Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles did it two years in a row. Um, okay, so that is uh, Texans and Jaguars. Mm -hmm. My headline, if we did a headline for that one, Min Shoot Up. Min, Min Shoot Up. So, uh, the Panthers and Titans, I, you're going to do a little uh, damn okay, I want to self-scout my th um, thyself. Yeah. Self-scout thyself. Self-scout thyself. Well, I picked the Titans to cover in this game. It's one of my bets of the week, okay? They did and, not. And I was wrong. They, I picked uh, them to win the game outright, really. They lost outright. 30-20. to 20. Panthers uh, improved to 5-3 and three on the year. And it was Riverboat Ron rolls the dice again. With a fake punt that yep. you thought was crucial, crucial, for them. big time call. They were up 17 to seven, five minutes into the second half. So it was, you know, early, early goings. I think the Titans had just scored on the previous drive to yep. start the second half. Fourth and four from their own 36. Colin Jones direct snap. They barely got it. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, really the 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 call of the game, like you're saying, because it felt like Tennessee had swayed the momentum back into their direction. And here they are. They're going to get a three and out on Kyle Allen and the Panthers. He calls the fake punt. They drive the pile. They get it. And 
I believe they go down and score the touchdown there. They right? did. Yeah. They did. Uh, right. You might have said that. McCaffrey I, scored. No, I didn't. Uh, okay. They scored on a seven plays later on a one-yard touchdown. So, if I was going to self-scout thyself, first of all. Yeah, where'd you go wrong? On well. I mean, it looked like the Panthers, they got tore up by the 49ers they did. a week prior. They did. So, I thought the Titans were going to be able to run the ball. Yeah. Okay. That was a little disappointing. As I was sitting there with Tony Dungy yesterday, we were both going, did the Titans not watch the game last week? Because they weren't trying to run the ball early on. And we were like, well, what are they doing? Did they not realize there was a little they issue there? They were busy. They were preparing for their own game. Right. So they now, they moved the ball. They missed three field goals. I mean, that, that needs to be talked about. Yeah. But I did think the Titans' defense would be able to bottle up um, the, the Carolina attack. The Carolina attack, yeah, the run game, we know it's special. The pass attack is good. I don't always go, oh, wow, this is like – the greatest stuff in the world. But really what it came down to is their players made plays. I mean, there was some – Kyle Allen made some great tight throws and man-to-man coverage where DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel, you know, made great catches or just beat their guy by a step yeah. to make it happen. And ultimately, that's where I went wrong. I put, I guess, too much faith in the Tennessee Titans secondary and coaching staff to think they might come up with something a little more creative to slow down the Carolina attack, and they didn't. And they got so many weapons. You mentioned Curtis Samuel and Kyle Allen using him. Curtis Samuel was targeted on average 22 yards downfield per pass, most of any wide receiver this week. And actually, Kyle Allen, yeah. his average pass was 13 and a half yards downfield. It looked most like of, it. Most of any quarterback this week in well, the yeah. NFL. So they were throwing the ball deep. And then you have Christian McCaffrey, who leads it's the amazing. NFL with scrimmage yards to 13 touchdowns, leaves the NFL. So. They got so many weapons, but I do want real quick want to give some linebacker love yeah. for Carolina. Number 54, Shaq Thompson. Yeah, Shaq. Uh, Ten solo tackles, most of any player on Sunday. Three tackles for a loss, tied for most of any player on Sunday. Uh, has played almost every snap this year, despite being on the injury report with an ankle. Yeah. So he, he's Good played a lot for them and stepped up and... The, uh, the Panthers are back. Yeah, well, they're yeah, they're, 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 they're not out of this thing. Certainly not. Not at 5-3, five, 5-3. Five and three. And their defense is still good, despite what, you know, the 49ers did to them. I'm not like, oh, my gosh, the Panthers' defense is horrible. Kyle Shanahan's a special play caller, and that Niners team was special. So they exposed them. They found, you know, a crack in the, in the code there. So, uh, yeah, uh, but I, I certainly was wrong about that one. And I, you know what? I also probably didn't think Kyle Allen would bounce back after that game. I thought, oh. You know, this might this might go down into you know uh, spiral out a spiral of control. Out of control. Here. Exactly right, and and it didn't. DJ Moore is the, one of the keys to their team, though. You talked about him; mm. he's phenomenal. He really reminds me of Steve Smith. He's that kind of guy. He's a a running. He's a wide receiver in a running back's body, and plays physical. Can make people miss, and uh, I, I he's one of my favorites to watch in football. I don't have him on my fantasy team. I do have Samuel. Oh, it's still a good one. Should have taken McCaffrey. Yeah, well, yeah, I think yeah, anybody should have taken McCaffrey. He's in the short list of the MVP candidates right now. Speaking of fantasy. Yeah, Roto World Football Podcast are oh. fantasy experts, okay? The best podcast to go to when you're thinking about texting me for fantasy advice is fuck you, don't text me, go to the World of World Football Podcast, yeah. okay? Yeah. That's what they should really name it. Fuck you, don't text Chris Sims <laughs> Football Podcast, yeah. okay? Yep. But uh, Josh, Nor Josh Norris and the Roto World crew are all over the NFL. Uh, they really are. They're going to give you great insight. Today's podcast, they got Week 9 Roundup with takeaways from every game. Tomorrow, the best Week 10 waiver wire pickups. So they'll tell you for if you got a crappy team like Ahmed does, mm -hmm. they'll tell you the guys to go get. Who's out there? Uh, also, last week they did a full mid-season reset megapod. 
where they went through all 32 teams and broke down where they stand and what is their outlook for 2019 and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Check them out. Josh Norris has a big neck, just like Tyreek. Oh, he does. Uh, yeah, he does, well just like Lamar neck. Jackson. You're right. Yeah, You're really right. big neck. It's not Lamar Jackson-ish, but big for, like, some guy who sits next to a computer all day. Because <laughs> you got to have good head posture. And yep. you got to yep. make sure not to lean over. Yes. He does a very good job of that. Very good job. Let's go. Give me the headline. Factory of Sadness Edition. Oh. So here are some, some very disgruntled fan bases mm -hmm. that, are, that are not happy with the way things are going. And at the top of the list, maybe the Cleveland Browns. Because I think out of all the teams that we're about to go through here, they maybe had the most expectation. Maybe them and the Browns, but uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, the Bears. Uh, but the Browns yeah. are now 2-6 and six on the year. They lost to the Broncos 24-19. And my headline is Browns Baked. They are, it looks like they're done. They're, they're just not going to be able to turn it around this year. The offense does not look good. I was talking about average uh, uh, passes downfield. Yeah. So here's the weird thing. Right. You have Brandon Allen making yeah. his NFL debut right. for the Broncos, right. right? You have Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield, his average pass downfield, 4.6 yards, second to last in the NFL. Brandon Allen, 10.2 yards downfield, fourth in the NFL. Fourth most in the NFL this week. Right. So the Broncos taking chances downfield with Brandon Allen in his debut, and the Browns refusing to do that with Baker Mayfield and their offense. Right? Yeah, they're missing that. All right. So first we got. Uh, we got I'm going to show you some tweets from this game. Oh. From the Browns, Browns Broncos game. Oh, we got yeah. a little, 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 little Twitter reaction, some yeah. pictures to go to here. There's Baker. If you're watching on YouTube, this is Baker Mayfield on the right. Is a, is a man in like a trench coat. It looks very upset. Yeah. And the man on the left is smiling, holding his Mayfield jersey. And, yep. and, and the caption is, 18 months of being a Cleveland Brown. That's I'm over the mustache you. thing, okay? I'd rather have the full scruff, what I see on the left, who so just a nice, well-rounded scruff. And yeah. I'm just not a big fan of his outfit in general. And oh, the, hey, the yeah, it is. It's a little like Uncle here. Buck. <laughs> it is. It is the same attire. It, it is a little bit. There's like four coats on, and they're all big, too big, uh, with a scarf. But but like Uncle Buck's a little bit better because he's got a, at least a button-down shirt. Like have you seen that movie, that. Uncle Buck? No, I haven't. Of course not. not. A, you need to watch I that. It's a good, I hear Holy it's pretty good. Shit. Actually, I never, I never heard that. What? You've never even heard of it? You really got to watch no. Uncle Buck, dude. That's a really good one. I mean, John Candy has he not has made to, a bad movie. He so. has to babysit his nephew and niece. And, and how did that go? Hilarity ensues? Hilarity ensues, right. <laughs> they think they're going to walk all over them, and he gets tough, right? It's, it's actually really good. Uh, so, so what do you think about the Browns? Um, all right, so the first thing with the Browns, I mean, you said it. They got to still find – I mean, Odell is their number one weapon. They got to find ways to get him the ball more. I do think every week you've heard me say or there's been, not, there's been times where – yeah, Odell's man-to-man. -man. You just got to gotta go to Odell and, and make that play, make that throw, whatever it is. I'm most disappointed in their defense, though. So. Oh. I am. I mean, just the big plays that they let up in the game, the running. Yeah. I mean, you know, whether it was the Noah Fan huge play. Oh, my gosh. You know, Denzel Ward being really in great position on the Cortland Sutton touchdown, and Cortland Sutton made that unbelievable diving, kind of like went over his body and caught the ball. That was phenomenal. This is a film I'm going to watch tomorrow pretty thoroughly because I would like to get a feel for it. You know, it, yeah. you know, you look at certain things of the game, you know, and I can't watch it all yesterday, and we're trying to get ready for the show when these 4 o'clock games are going on and everything like that. You know, they had the ball 73 plays. The Broncos only had a 43 plays. They dominated time of possession. They had more yards. You the know. Browns didn't cash in. They made it to the red zone five times. Right. 
had one touchdown, three field goals, turned it over on downs another time. Yeah, that's the, those are huge moments. And, you know, with the – yeah, the, I thought that was a little bit of a mistake too. I probably would have kicked the field goal there. That's always easier to say in hindsight or when you're sitting on, at home watching the game. Uh, but if, if I remember correctly, they could have cut it to what? 17-15 uh, at one point? Maybe something yeah. like that? I can't remember exactly. But the Browns are in trouble. When you definitely. look at the tape – yeah. Look at uh, that 75-yard touchdown from Noah Fan. Yep. And RIP Jermaine Whitehead. Oh. Because he just flattened him, and it's a play like that where I think you have to retire. If you're if you're Jermaine Whitehead, you have to just quit football. Well, because it was like that bad. Don't worry, he was cut today. He was. Right. I didn't even know that. He retired himself when he decided to go in the locker room right after the game, and motherfuck every person on oh, Twitter that, that questioned him and went. Cross the line big time. That. Like, NFL players, stop. Like, go in the locker room and take a shower and unwind and let some steam blow well, off. You knew the writing was on the wall after that play because you can't recover from what I mean, what are you – just, you know, him and Daryl Roberts of the Jets yesterday had spouting off sessions on, Twitter. On, on social media after the game. And just, like, stop. Stop looking at that crap. Who cares? Yeah, you got to get off of it. I mean, who cares? Who cares what my uncle David in New Jersey thinks about how you played? He doesn't know shit. He's yeah. a lawyer, okay? My uncle David is a fucking lawyer. He doesn't know shit. But on Twitter, and he's missing a tooth. On okay? Twitter, he you so, don't know that. Yeah. What is, let's like not worry about what he says to you, Jermaine Whitehead. Who cares? Um, people okay? are being mean to Freddie Kitchens. Do you think it's? Uh, do you think he comes back next year? Do you think? He's in trouble right now. Yeah, he is because they're in a team that's kind of like they. Unlike like Adam Gase or the Jets, like they have a lot of things on their roster you like, and and some of their losses they've outplayed the other teams and found ways to lose, and that goes that reflects on the coach. So, you know, I like Freddie Kitchens. I do think he does some good things on the offensive side of the ball, but obviously things are not buttoned up. They mess up certain scenarios on a week-to-week basis. He's messed them up. The quarterback's messed them up. It's been throughout the team, and that's not a good look for him. Good for the Broncos. Yeah. Another another win for them, and they've had some close losses this year, too. Do you know who Luca Brazzi, Luca Brazzi is? No. Gosh. Do you know who Luca Brazzi is? No. Do you guys not watch Godfather? Yeah. Do you not watch The Godfather? You've never seen I that? Don't memorize the character's name. What no, are you? You you freaking idiot. I'm breaking down you. film for the Chris Sims podcast. You've got me like, okay, fine. You're looking good at all this stuff because we go through every game. Well, so Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes, okay? And you know who else oh. does? You know who else sleeps with <laughs> the fishes? The Jets. You're right. That's he the headline. He sleeps with the fishes. From the New York Post. I mean, it's kind of a nod to when uh, their CEO, Christopher Johnson, uh, said before their game last week yeah. versus the Jaguars. Hope we uh, show up. Hopefully this team will actually show up this week, not be asleep. Yeah, um, they well, were they're asleep still asleep. That game. They're still asleep, losing to the Miami Dolphins in the uh, Adam Gase return game. So now the, uh, the Bengals, the only winless team in the NFL because Jeez. Miami got one. Sam Darnold, eight interceptions over three games. Interception percentage for him has almost doubled what it was last year in his rookie year. Something's wrong there. Well, this is his issue. This was his issue coming out of college. Um, He led college football in turnovers his last year at USC. Uh, You know, I'm not giving up on Sam Darnold. It's not like he's got a ton of help around him. But, you know, the last two weeks have not looked good. The last three weeks have not looked good. The Patriots, the Jags, or yesterday. And I'm not even into the stats. I'm just saying, like, some of the throws I saw, some of the decisions in general, I just want to go, man, what, what are we doing? What the hell is that? Or what kind of throw is that? Um, the biggest one being, of course, the down there 
uh, at the one-yard line as he's getting sacked and just throwing a ball into a crowd of people when they're going in to score, at least going to get a field goal, yeah. and it leads to an interception, that was a huge moment in the football game. You know, they kind of had momentum. They were, dry, you know, of course, down there ready to score points. So that was huge. Um, and then, yeah, it's just a disaster. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I watched this game all the way through. What? Yeah, it was the least game I was concerned about. I could care less. <laughs> Your buddy Brian Flores got win. Bowl. That's you what gotta, this was. It yeah. was the shit bowl, okay? But I am really happy for Brian Flores. And I, I didn't think they would quit fighting. That, that yeah. group down there, that coaching staff, Aww. they're tough. They're a bunch of New England guys. Uh, they're going to get that thing right, and yeah. they're going to continue to coach that team. But we talked about Kitchens being on the hot seat. Now Flores on the hot seat, though. You don't want to win Gase, too many games. Gase no, on the hot no, seat? I'm talking about Flores. You don't want to win too many games. Oh, gosh, he's not tanking gonna, anymore. Not tanking yeah, no, he he's ain't going to tank. Properly. I just know Brian Flores. I've known him for a long time. He is not tanking anything. He comes to the office ready for a figurative and literal fight. I mean, and he will fight you on the spot either way. So they're not going to be giving up or tanking as far as the coaches are concerned. You really think Gase is on the hot seat? I think the – I don't think Gase deserves to be on the hot seat. I thought you were maybe referencing that. No. Uh, I think a lot of the issues with the Jets are because of their last GM and McCagnan. Uh, so I look at some of those things and go, well, yeah, they're not very good on the offensive and defensive line, not because of Adam Gase, because the players aren't good and they just haven't been built the right way. You know, and same thing with some of the pieces on defense and things like that. Yeah. So the roster wasn't that strong. Do I think Adam Gase could do better? Yeah, I do. I wish he would open up the offense and be a little bit more creative in, in certain ways. But um, I don't think it totally falls on Adam Gase there in New York. So the Jets get uh, beat by the um, Miami Dolphins. And the Bears lose again in our Factory of Sadness edition of the headlines mm -hmm. by the Eagles. 22-14 was the final score. My headline for this one is so good it hurts. The return of Zach Ertz. Nine catches, 103 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Dallas Goddard still second on the team in receiving yards with 39. They missed Deshaun Jackson. Seemed like they were going to get him back. Played four plays and then aggravated Ooh, that abdomen injury. That again. stinks. Although uh, Doug Peterson after the game weirdly optimistic Said about it. Said it was like yeah, they're like no big deal. Precautionary, no, right? They'll be good in two weeks. It's like uh, with a muscle injury like that, that seems that unpredictable. It seems like they're weirdly optimistic about him being back in a couple of weeks. Oh, hold on. We have breaking news. Deshaun Jackson having surgery. Appears wow. unlikely to play again this season, so yeah, I didn't there know you that go. either. But yeah, it was—it's very odd for him to be that confident. So that was tweeted a minute ago in real time. By if you're Ian listening Rappaport. to this live, yeah. this podcast live, which is not live. That's huge. Uh, Ian Rappaport. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. What do you think? I well, mean, how 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 big a blow is that? For well, I, I look at that as like, you know, that to me takes them out of almost being a real Super Bowl contender in a lot of ways. I they don't think they them that badly. Well, yeah, they do. They have a lot of ways to throw the ball five and ten yards, and uh, they don't have a lot of ways or guys that can go deep, and they don't have a guy that can take the pressure off that. Now, the one thing that gives me hope is they are running the ball again. The Eagles are starting to show that they can run the ball and overpower you. Yesterday was another good day. I mean, this Bears defense is good. Yeah. And they let up 146 yards running to this Eagles offensive line. So that's mm -hmm. good. You know, the Eagles, yeah, they're going to have to do it a different way. Um, but it is a lot of work sometimes for their pass game to do something because there's nothing to back you off. Alshon Jeffrey's a 4-6 guy, mm -hmm. runs 4-7. Zach Ertz isn't going to scare you that way. There's just really not that guy. So that's a little bit concerning that way. There's one out there, Antonio. Did, did, did. Antonio. 
Antonio. Antonio Brown is out there looking for a team, ready to play. Uh, if I they want to, they want to deal with that. That's fine with them. That's, I mean, he'll certainly help them. We know that. I mean, they, they need somebody like that, uh, and they do have the kind of locker room and personalities that I think could handle him. Uh, but I don't know if they want to open themselves up to the criticism and the crap they got to deal with. And it's falling apart for the Bears right now. I mean, it's just, it really, it's yeah. not. They um, uh, they had they, nine yards in the first half. They had nine minus two yards nine until yards. like the last drive of the first half. Okay, it and was shitville. They can't they do can't any, do anything. They, and they made it closer at the end. I give them yeah. credit for coming back. But um, so I was looking up David Montgomery, the running back for the Bears, uh, faced an eight-man box 79% of the time, most in the NFL this week. And so yep. they're stacking the box to stop the run because they're not afraid of Mitchell Trubisky. Nope, they're not. Why would you be? And so it's it's no. really hard for them to do anything offensively. No, yeah, I mean they they had two drives the whole game, and on those two drives they scored touchdowns, which was good for them. Really, the the reason this game was close because early on when the Eagles did dominate the time of possession and the clock. The Bears defense made stops to at least hold them to field goals, and that kept them in the game for a period of time. Uh, if those were touchdown drives, it would have been big, big trouble for the Bears and would have been a big blowout. Let's wrap it up with uh, two final games that we yeah. haven't touched so far. The uh, the shocker. Yeah. That's my headline. Shocker, shocker. for the Bolts. Oh. Chargers. Be I, my headline writing's not bad. No, it's right? pretty damn good. It's not New York Post material, no. but it's really good. I mean, if you knew a movie, you'd probably even be better at headlines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't I'm I'm, I'm I'm disadvantaged here and still You're right. I mean, you don't even know what one. sleeping with the fucking fishes um, is. Jeez. Four and five the Chargers are now. Don't count them out yet. The Packers lose their second game this year, 26 to 11. It was domination. So the Chargers offense now getting uh, uh, play calls from uh, Shane. What is it, Steckton? Steckton? Yeah. Steckton? I, yes. Listen, I uh, not a guy that their, I know. He was their quarterbacks coach. Ken Wisenhut fired on uh, on last Monday. Melvin Gordon came back, had a good game, 20 carries, 80 yards, 68 of those between the tackles. Austin Eckler still was uh, doing his thing. Yep. So Mike Williams was out there running super fast. He was the fastest wide receiver with the ball this week, 20.7 miles an hour. So they got some weapons. They and, do. Um, the, defensively, they shut down Aaron Rodgers. Yes, they did. I mean, they showed dedication to the run game, which I'm sure Anthony Lynn, that's why he made the, the switch like you talked about. Uh, the, the Packers defense is in trouble. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You know, it's the third, you know, I've been saying this for three weeks. Their interior defensive line stinks. There's nothing good to say about it. Middle linebackers, some of the D tackles, they're just, they're just not good. They're not going to stop the run. And then it just leaves them vulnerable in the pass game. And, you know, you saw early on, I mean, the Chargers kind of controlled the clock, had the ball. And, yes, it was one of those games where, you know, and I didn't expect this. I didn't think that their defense would shut down the Packers' offense like that at any stretch. of Even with Devon, I mean, especially with Devontae yeah, Devontae Adams, Adams back. And I thought that you know, really, that the the Packers would be able to run the ball enough to at least open up other things in their offense. But they were unable to do that. And you know, usually when things like that happen, oh, the run game's not working for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers will take over. He can take over. But not when the pass protection is not there or there's two freaks on the edge who can stop him from dancing around and waiting all day to make, you know, hey, I, nobody's open. They're doing a good job covering us. Oh, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'll dance around and move and move and, and bob and weave and I'll throw a laser and everything will be okay. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, that's that's where it's tough when it's when it's Ingram and Bosa uh, who had their way with the, the, the Packers offensive line, which was shocking to me. 
those were really the big things that jumped out to me. Yeah, Joey Bosa leading the NFL this week with quarterback hits with four. Man, they were all over him. One man. and a half sacks. Uh, Joey Bosa has stepped up ever since you said that Nick Bosa was the better Bosa. Yes, well, that was last week. So that was last way, week. <laughs> way to go to step up for one week. They're uh, both awesome. We know that. They're both very good. And yeah. uh, for the Chargers, that was their last game in L.A. until December 15th. Wow. So they'll be in Mexico for one quote-unquote home game. Well, they're used to not having any fans cheering so for them, that's, so that's, that's no, no big deal. Bills, uh, Redskins. We gotta um, hit. We gotta yeah. hit that, right? Yeah, we gotta hit that one. AP's um, amazing. First off, just off the bat. Hold on, I got a headline. Oh, do you? Was that your headline? AP's amazing. Yeah. See, not yeah. not that great. Mine, <laughs> uh, mine is uh, Bill. Sorry, not sorry, because that comes from Micah Hyde saying, "I'm done apologizing for wins," because everyone's saying, "Oh, the Bills are winning, but they're not playing anyone," which is true. Their, uh, their opponents have a, a total of 22 wins, tied for the fewest in the NFL with San Francisco. But for a team like the Bills, they're beating teams they should beat, which is good for them. They started out 2-6 and six last year. They're 6-2 and two this year. They get the win over Washington. Yeah, well, I, I think the big thing with them is, you know, Josh Allen's dangerous. If they can run the ball and play defense, which the, the one little thing that scares me about the Bills, and I'll be interested to watch this again, you know, too, just was kind of surprised the Redskins did have success running the ball on them. I did not think that would happen, especially once they knew like Dwayne Haskins was starting and, yeah. you know, maybe the passing attack wouldn't hit, you know, on all cylinders from, from that standpoint. Um, so I'm just a little surprised that the defense has kind of shown two weeks in a row of the team kind of pushing them around and opening up some holes. I looked up, I looked that up. Yeah. So the, the Bills, their, their pass defense, yeah. you know, third best in the NFL with yards per passing play. Right. And then yards per rushing play, right? Nineteenth, nineteenth, yeah. So they're, they're nineteenth, and so because uh, you just assume, like, oh, Bills, that's a good defense. Yep. And, and yards per game is pretty good for them. But well, it's, yeah, it's still a good gashed, defense. Gashed but you're right, the, the running game. Yeah, they have, they're, and they're not incredibly big up front that way. So uh, that's part of it, certainly. But I mean, hey, it's still the third-ranked defense in all of football, and, uh, yeah. and saying all that, and just total yards per game. Um, but yes, it's it's two weeks in a row where teams have. You know, the Redskins and Eagles, who have bigger offensive lines, shown that they can push them around just a little bit. But Buffalo is, I still like a lot of what I see. And Josh Allen is dangerous. And when he does take care of the ball, you know, watch out. His scrambling and a few throws here and there can be the difference of a football game. First time in his career, he's gone three straight games without an interception. Way to go, Josh. It's the Bills' best start since 1993. Oh, they went to the Super Bowl that year and lost 30-13 to to the Cowboys. Emmitt Smith was the MVP. But it's about to get a whole lot tougher for them. As next up is at the Browns. And then they got to go to Miami, who just won a game. Wow. Then they take on the Broncos. Oh, man. So they still have an easy schedule here. I know, right? It's like what they're not going to play a hard game until – well, they then they got at by. Cowboys, Ravens, at Steelers, at Patriots. So they have a four-game stretch at the end of November into December where we'll get a feel for how legit they really are as a football team. I mean, they've they lost. can't control the schedule. They're beating the teams no. that are there. Uh, and, yeah. and they've lost to the two quality teams, or the one really quality team in the Patriots and the one by good six. team in the Eagles. They only right. lost by six. It was 16-10. Right. to 10 And the, the Eagles Patriots, game was so. closer than the score, too. So uh, they're not out of it. That's everyone. We got through everyone. Way to go, team. Way to go. I now go watch The Godfather, you jerk. Okay? Oh, I have time now. That's okay, yeah, you do? Yeah, great. All right. Monday night, oh. I got the Cowboys 31-20. Um, 
I'll take the Giants. You'll take the Giants. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Why would you do that? Well, because the Cowboys, you don't know. You don't know. It's yeah. The Cowboys are up and down. Yeah, they, they lost to the Jets, who yeah. are uh, clearly the worst team in football. Yeah, they're, they're up there. You're right. Yeah. That's still amazing. I'm, I'm, get, I'm betting that the Cowboys will be pissed at the fact that they played like shit the last time they were at MetLife Stadium. Yeah. They'll use it as a rallying cry. Plus, they had the bye week. 31-20. Sorry, John McDonald. Drink another beer. You won't even know. You'll just pretend. Pretend the Giants are winning, okay? One thing for sure, though, yeah. one thing I can guarantee is right. we'll get a uh, up-close shot of Jason Garrett. Oh. Like, just like his nose and eyes. No doubt. We get really up in his grill. They usually do. They get do. up in his grill yes. a lot. Right. Watch me now hit this this camera right on target. You ready? No, it hit. No, it did not. All right, peace. We're done. Chris Sims on button. Appreciate you listening. Wednesday will be the What the Fuck Happened podcast with the big fucker. We'll get him on here. Ahmed, you the man. Well done. Way to go. Way to go with your headlines. Watch some movies, okay? All right, peace out. We're done. I'm out of here. Peace. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.